Recently, I put a poll up on my Instagram stories and asked you what you wanted me to talk about in this episode. And it was decided overwhelmingly that avoiding burnouts would be the central focus. So strap yourselves in and let's talk about how to be productive without sort of, you know, falling apart. Welcome back to Positively Poetic. I feel like somewhat of an expert in this area. Not because I'm a psychologist, I'm not. Not because I've studied and have a degree in anything related to being productive and avoiding burnouts, because I really don't. Uh, Simply because I am, or rather was, hopefully, the king of burnouts, as we might say. (laughs) I've been there a thousand times. And if you think about it, I have been working on creative things, creative endeavours for pretty much a decade. I had a radio show outside of school when I was around 15. It was the, um, oh, what was it? I think it was the drive time hour, and it was called, um, no, can't remember. (laughs) I'll find it eventually. But that was in my local radio station, and I worked really hard on that because I thought it was such a a fun thing to do outside of school and um, just a great passion, and we had a great time because I had friends on that were, like, co-hosts occasionally would switch around and it was just a really cool stuff to do when you're young. <laughs> um, and pretty much since then, I have been doing something on the side, which could be classed as a side hustle or a creative endeavor, while also being in full-time work, full-time studying, or three years ago, pretty much both, full-on writing articles, full-on retail, and, and full-on studying as well. I don't know how I quite survived that, but that this is the whole point of this episode. But after a while... Growing up with that necessity to be working and to be grafting, you learn that a lot of it becomes unhealthy pretty quickly because you're trying so hard to be where you want to be. And whether you agree with the whole full-time 40 hours a week um, plus system, whatever it is, and the way that full-time jobs tend to drain your energy or whether you think they're a great idea, I don't know. It's true that it becomes very difficult still to balance the job, primary job and side hustle, without falling into a very dark, very exhausting trap. And it's true also of just having a full-time job and a personal life. The same thing can happen regardless of whether you've got a side hustle, whether you've got studying on the side. You can just have one thing and still end up in a burnout. It's very easy to do and it's very, very destructive. And so I when, I when I'm talking about this subject on here, I don't want either any of you to feel alienated from the conversation because it's very universal. I'm going to be speaking from my perspective of, you know, someone who's done a lot in one point in time or, you know, someone that just does a lot at the same time. But it's true that people have different experiences with burnout and different, uh, what would the word be, tolerances for burnout. So some people can burn out after weeks of doing lots or someone can burn out after two days of a certain specific type of work but either way that's the the preface of this episode (laughs) there might be more there probably will be more but still i personally have found myself in the bundle in the middle of a stockroom in a retail store crying my eyes out and many of my previous colleagues will know this and will have joined me. And so if they're listening right now, they will very much understand what I'm talking about and the absolute mess that I was back then. 
and not just because the shop itself was a complete mess and a just a royal <laughs> insert swear word here um but also because the energy i was putting into that shop and that job was just as passionate as the energy i was putting into the articles and the poetry i wrote when i got home so my energy pretty much never stopped there was nothing left for me there was nothing left for my friends or just for for breathing and for living it was work and then it was work outside of work and then well you know sleep and occasionally eating that's not a life even if you are creating something fulfilling when you get home or if your side hustle is a soul enriching task or you're helping others there's always going to be a moment where your mind and your heart and your energy just can't catch up again going back to my own personal experience i was writing for thought catalog while being in full-time retail and also studying for a master's. I was happy with most of those things. The shop was, you know, whatever. But I had some good friendships. And I had Thought Catalog. And I was writing for them and putting up articles that I was feeling very proud of and that were there to encourage a message. It was spreading my mission and, and spreading my vision for the future, for people, and hoping to help anyone who read it. And then my master's was there to improve my life. It was there to allow me to learn the things I love about where well, it was playwriting. So about plays, about theatre. It was improving my understanding of my own craft. Those were great things. But the way they worked in tandem with each other was not great. The way that I approached each with the same level of energy, level of approach, meant that on more than one occasion, I was not okay. I was not, you know, energetic. I was just flat and tired and, and falling apart. And I'm sure everyone can relate to that. But that's what I'm trying to say. Even if you are on a great mission, even if what you're doing feels like it has a great objective, eventually your heart and your energy will still struggle to catch up with you. You'll end up missing out on food and missing out on water missing out on essential elements of your survival, which sound very simple now. You know, I'm saying food and I'm saying water. But when you're working so hard, the time runs out very quickly. And before you know it, you've gone th through 12 hours of the day without touching water, having, you know, a packet of crisps and a donut. Um, and it's very difficult. And I I'm, a I'm a vegetarian and I have been for almost six years now which means that I have to get certain nutrients to make up for what I'm missing in meat, which isn't too hard to do, but sometimes if I'm overworking myself, myself rather, I won't get them, because I'll forget to look after myself. And so that's why it's been so important for me to define these systems and processes that enable me to work hard, get to where I want to be, and not constantly burn out. That's also why I'm sharing it now, because you should also find the right processes for yourself. And I say for yourself, because, and I'll explain a bit later as well, that they're so different. They're so different from people, and that's why I said right at the beginning, a disclaimer was the word I was looking for before. Um, my disclaimer of that some people have different tolerances for burnouts, and some people get burnouts from smaller things, or larger things, or 
different situations. And the real re reason I said that disclaimer is because there are different ways of approaching it. But I do also have, you know, three things written down, basically. I've written down something that I'm going to explain to you from a structured point of view. But please understand that you have to take it not necessarily with a grain of salt, but you have to understand that you take this advice and you take this knowledge of, of, of what I've used in order to make myself better and not to burn out as much. And you have to apply it to your own life. That might be a different way of doing things. And that's fine. That's just as this isn't a, you know, this is what you must do. I'd never say that because I don't have a degree. And I don't believe even someone with a degree in, in 30 years of experience could have the authority to say that because we're all different people. I'm going on a tangent, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's the why, which is helpful. But no doubt you're here for the how. So let me first, again, preface that what I will give in terms of advice and what I will say to help you often works for me. But this whole process is ever personal and ever changing. And you have set of sets of rules. And with any rules comes an audit of those rules. And I will speak very briefly about that later on because I don't want to get too much into it. First, let's talk about your objectives. Now, I'm sorry to sound so corporate and so marketing-led, but it is the first place to understand how you prioritize, how you engage in your activities, and how you clarify to yourself the steps necessary to be happy and healthy. Objectives, then. For me, my central objectives are to help others, to spread awareness of mental health, and above all else, to be creative. I want to do this through speaking, like I'm doing now to you, wherever you may be, and through writing primarily. So thought catalogue through all the uh, unwritten, the mighty, the other magazines are written for. And that's a very simplified version. I could technically give you a sort of business plan, a long documented description of what my missions are and what my objectives are. But that's not what we're talking about now. And I don't want you to do that either. All you need is just to get the very simple basics that I've just explained there. Find a sentence or two that describes what you want from life. That can include, and to be fair, probably should include, your current job, your current situation and position. So, for example, when I was in retail, I would say, I want to do well at the shop, but I also want to have enough time and energy to keep my writing a priority. That's a very short and simple sentence. And from there, much like corporate projects, you can define the next steps. Once you have something as simple as that, it means that you and your brain don't have to worry about necessary complexities about what do you want in life, where do you want to be, who do you want to become. It's just simply about the here and now. What is the simplest objective I have for me to be healthy, to be happy, to be satisfied and content? And that's all you need to work on for this part. So then after that, what are the next steps? Well, here's where it gets a little blurry and person-specific. So I will just condense it down to simply talking about the preservation of energy. Capital E, energy, because it's very important. <laughs> we do not appreciate having energy enough. We give it to friends. We give it to newly met acquaintances. We give it to partners, to family, to colleagues, to managers, to politics even. We willingly donate our energy to so many facets of life without even thinking about it, because it feels normal. 
because we're used to doing that. And we're used to thinking that if we keep some of that energy or most of it for ourselves, then we're selfish. We're used to feeling bad if we strictly define who and what gets that level of energy. We're called closed off or unavailable. (laughs) But the first step after, of course, defining your objectives to avoiding burnouts is to get rid of that mentality. Energy is essential and a right, not a privilege, a right. Obviously, I'm about to expand into what I mean by that. But it really, really is important to remember that just because you've grown up being told a certain thing and being, I don't know, even scolded for keeping some of that energy for yourself doesn't mean that that is the law. It doesn't mean that it's what will work for you. It doesn't mean that by keeping that energy for yourself like you've always wanted to and harboring enough energy to make you happy, that that is in some way hurting someone because it very rarely does. It only hurts you to hold it back. So then thinking about that, where does this reserved energy go? Well, in very basic terms, it goes where it's appreciated. And I don't mean that you're only nice or you only listen to certain people when they vehemently thank you for being nice. Because being nice isn't about getting thanks. It's about spreading joy and minimizing pain. But it's important to direct energy where you think it will be harvested in a healthy manner. This is about career and personal. And that distinction is something I think we underestimate and something I've definitely underestimated. You know, I've gone through this journey of working 40 hours a week and writing books, writing for Instagram, writing uh, my articles on the side and been like, you know, okay, this is fine. I'm relatively organized and I know what I'm doing, but I haven't accounted for the personal element. Which is funny because the personal element has probably been one of the main reasons behind my burnouts, behind my greatest stress and pain. And because I haven't accounted this into the way I work and the way I approach my articles and my full-time jobs, I've slipped. I've lost my mind. I've not known where to go from there because I haven't put it into some plan. And that's not to sound too logical about it, but you know what I mean. Because you have to think about it. You're already tired. You're working pretty much non-stop, even with some form of a schedule. And now you have personal drama. How do you fit that into your life? How do you deal with something so life-consuming as personal drama? From friendship bust-ups to relationship issues to bereavement. How do you go from having the weight of work and productivity on your shoulders, on your back, on your mind, to now having a whole personal dilemma to deal with? And we know, when I say personal dilemma, that it's huge. Even the smallest dilemma, even the smallest personal issue becomes massive in our lives, because that's who we are as humans. That's a whole different section of your brain, of your heart, of your soul, which is now occupied, completely occupied and locked away. And if you haven't defined your levels of energy, or set up barriers for how you approach your routine, your productivity, your standards of living, then you'll see yourself collapse. And then at that point, it no longer becomes an act of preventing a burnout or preventing upset. It becomes a rescue mission, and that's a lot harder. Because then you're trying to keep yourself sane and lift your mood. 
but you're also now trying to keep up that level of productivity. That's too much going on. You know, you're going through every day and you've got your set routine and then something comes to disrupt it all. And now you're trying to fix that disruption while still having a routine. It just doesn't work. Now you might be saying, okay, Liam, but we can't apply logistics or be so formal about the unpredictability about the personal elements of life. And to that, I say, well, yes, I hear you. But also, yes, we can. And yes, we should. But to an extent. The main point is to leave a little energy for the unpredictable of life, just a little bit. When we're working, when we're grafting, when we're hustling, it's not enough to just put all energy into those things or activities. There has to be, you know, a 40 to 50% at least personal allowance, should we say. Again, it sounds very formal and rigid to say those words, but it's more flexible when you actually apply it. It doesn't sound, well, it does sound like it, but it doesn't actually in practice feel like you're at work and you're defining objectives and KPIs or anything crazy like that. You're not putting KPIs on your life, although there would be some positives to that, <laughs> but we're not talking about that. Um, it's more about remembering that you can't just give, as so many people have said before and suggested, 100%. Because 100% gives you nothing to have left over. 100% is your entire energy, your entire being. If you have nothing left, if you've given 100%, there's nothing left over to give yourself your remaining three hours before sleep, whether that's reading or whatever. Your energy is always spent. You get home and you're done. It doesn't give you anything for when a friend or relative dies. It doesn't give you anything to work with when you need it the most. That is why it's important sometimes to be logical, to be formal, because it's preventative. When something has happened, like I said, it's a rescue mission. You can't then dip into your overdraft of energy because it doesn't work like a bank. If the energy it's gone, it's gone. Now, I'm optimistic, and obviously my work at Thor Catalog, Unwritten, at different magazines, has been very optimistic. I will tell you vehemently that I'm, um, I will tell you how to escape these feelings to do the rescue mission and to believe that you can survive it, because of course you can. But it just becomes a much strenuous and stressful process if it's no longer preventative, but it's a rescue mission, if you understand what I'm saying. You can't give all your energy to one thing, and then when you crash, expect there to be a separate stash of energy left, unless you've created it in the first place, and that's the whole thing I'm trying to say. If you give yourself that stash that you don't use, necessarily, then it will be there for you, ready. So when it comes to allotting spaces for energy, let me give you some examples so it doesn't just feel like I'm talking nonsense, but I'm actually giving you something valuable and clarified for you to leave with and apply. Again, I want to give you a disclaimer of apply these in the way you should think. This is a basic structure, and from that, you can pull the way it will work for you. These three examples are interpersonal, personal, and work. Work is the one we know the most, so let's start there. We're told to give 100%, but really, it should be about 30%. And that doesn't mean you don't work hard, but it means you're strict on what hard work means. For me, 
when I was in retail, retrospectively of course, because I was rubbish back then, were I to redo it, I would only give my energy for the things I was paid to do. I would only give my energy to the times I was paid for. Now obviously for money and just in general, you have to work overtime. And sometimes you have to do more than you're contracted to do. But on a regular basis, I would only all, I would only give my all for what I was contracted to do. Because that's a preservation of energy. And if you're contracted to do a certain thing and you're expected to do double it, you're spending your energy where it isn't appreciated. I would also allow myself to think about work at work. When I got home, home would be home. No mention of work unless necessary. <laughs> I was rubbish at this back in the day. I couldn't simply leave work at, uh, at work. I would go to work. I would come home, still have work on my mind, still answer texts, still think of solutions. Then I'd go to work again and there'd be no separation there. So it's definitely easier said than done. But to get that balance right is more important than to make money for a company that probably pays you less than 2% of their total revenue. Probably even less than, than that really. It's, but, you know. It means keeping away from your phone. It means ranting if you need to rant because you need that you know, expulsion of the, the tension and the issues to get rid of it. But then making time to breathe, to relax and to live away from work. Which is then how we move to personal. Personal, in a sense, covers both work and interpersonal. But more than anything, it's about achieving inner peace. I know that sounds very hippie and very 70s, but it's true. Personal should get the largest chunk of your energy because it impacts everything else. If you're not feeling right, if you're overwhelmed, your relationship to others and to your job is impacted. So by giving the most energy and the highest priority to yourself, you're also still helping the other two. This mainly means understanding what makes you happy and what makes you calm, what breathes the air back into your lungs when you've been knocked for six. For me, it's being amongst nature. So I will always make sure that at least once a week I will go to a park or a nature reserve. I'm in London, and the area of London I'm in has quite a lot of beautiful areas and quite a few beautiful greenery um, places. <laughs> um, and I come from a I come from the countryside, so this is something that's always been around me, and I've had that lucky interaction with something that really gives me peace, and that's probably why it gives me peace. Um, but everyone has something that will bring them back to earth. And so when I say I go to these nature reserves, these parks, I go there and spend a couple hours there just to breathe in new oxygen, which, let's be honest, in London is much needed. I need at least once a week to keep me at a level of happiness I want for myself in order to be productive, in order to avoid a burnout. This also means I'll sit in my garden or take the dog for a short walk to a smaller park once a day or once every other day. It means allotting time and space to do that for myself to achieve a level of peace. Nature might not be your thing. It might be drawing. It might be singing. It might be playing games. It might be watching films, watching theatre, reading a book. There are so many things that can influence a person's personal energy. There are so many things that help them achieve a better state of emotion and a strong chunk of our energy percentage should be reserved for that, for that activity. Why not? So then that leads to the last example, that which I'm going to tell you about, which is interpersonal. 
and often, let's be honest, the most complicated. Friendships, family, partners. It's complicated because we often see ourselves as indebted to them. We're grateful and so sometimes they get 90% of our energy because we think they deserve it. And yes, they may be wonderful, but, you know, they may have done endless things for you, but you still deserve the majority of your energy. What this means is being careful of what you allow yourself to get involved with. It means, well, <laughs> for me a lot of the time, not getting involved in the inner workings of a friend's drama, which I do a lot. I will be there for support. I will offer advice only if it is asked for and only to an extent if it is heard and not ignored. But nowadays, at least, I will tell someone, look, this is my input. I'm leaving the rest for you. That's a very strong piece of self-care for me and a strong piece of allotting energy where it needs to be. You know, I'm there. If they want to talk, they can talk. But they have to understand that I will give a good amount of input, but only so long as it doesn't cross any boundaries, at least where um, if the boundary is crossed, I am not hurt as a, as a result, if that makes sense. And that's not a selfish thing to do. Some people won't like that. It's true. It's just a fact of life. But if they truly do deserve some of your energy, then they will understand and they will appreciate your honesty and your need for some personal space. And like I said, it's not selfish to be like that. It's all in the communication. As I say, it's important to place yourself as number one priority, to be supportive, but to be restrictive over just how much energy is spent on someone else. But often in order for this to work and for this to be fair and just, communication is essential. People find, you know, people get very sensitive and upset. So if you make them feel like you're ignoring them or it's it's them specific, then it can get quite complicated. So just talking helps. You know, it means talking to someone and telling them where you are personally and mentally. It means discussing what you need from each other and what you can realistically give. What you have the energy to give. It is allowing discussions to be had in order to keep peace, to avoid anger, and to have a better, more fulfilling, less draining relationship. Those three examples hopefully show you in some way what I'm trying to say here. It sounds quite cold, quite calculated and formal to approach life like this, but it makes far more sense once you start. It feels inherently human, because all of these elements that we've just spoken about impact our energy and our energy impacts our ability to be productive without running into burnouts. And that's the largest part to play in avoiding burnouts. Naturally, there are other things, like I like to have chamomile basically on tap. Same pretty much with coffee. I like to indulge every now and again, let's be honest, probably every other day, in chocolate or in sweets or in baking. I and everyone should always have breaks. If I am writing a podcast, if I am writing a new book, I often like creating a schedule. I will make sure I have X number of days of a, off a week, and I will make sure I spend at least X amount of hours not working. Sometimes this is changed based on how things are going, and that's important. For example, if you're fully into work, you're doing well, but you're getting tired, your bones are aching and you're hungry, listen to that. Stop what you're doing, give yourself half hour or an hour, have some food, put on a show, and relax. No work done while tired and hurt is good work. That's a big statement, I know, but it's also true. My best work is done when I am comfortable, when I have the right energy for the job and I am in the mood to do what I'm doing. Right now, I have this podcast, I'm writing a new book, I'm writing freelance, and I have some other plans as well. 
It sounds like a lot, but it all centers around my objectives, and I'm not working for any other company anymore. So everything I do is serving me. I have my energy that goes to my friends, I have the energy that goes into my work, and I have a strong amount of energy that goes towards who I am. It goes towards how I feel. It goes to establishing a strong mental stability, which in my life has been rare and scattered. Mental health, to be clear, is not predictable. It cannot always be prevented, but you can do everything I've just said to avoid it being made worse. In essence, it's understanding the importance of prioritization. It sounds simple when that's all you say, but hopefully by expanding in this episode, you've got a better grip on how to avoid burnouts. And to repeat myself again, these steps are different for different people, and that's why I haven't given five steps to fantastic productivity. Because, as much as people say it, they don't exist in such a generalised sense. All there is to work with at a base level is your objectives and your energy across personal, interpersonal and work-related situations. Defining your objectives and defining what you want from life, how you want to feel, how you want to be treated, will enable you to take what I've said and apply it to your own life and create those personalised steps for your own process. And like I said, these rules need auditing. So if you feel like you've set objectives and you've set rules and processes, but then you're still burning out, you're still tired, you're still falling apart, do an audit. Find out what's not working. Find out which part of it is not making you content. Can you prioritise one thing more that you're not currently prioritising? It's, again, <laughs> it's, it's like a marketing term, but auditing is important in all aspects of life. And that's important, like I said. <laughs> it's stressful at times, and it might feel ironic to put time into something like defining your energy, defining your objectives, but long term, it serves you greatly. It allows you to see your own worth and know that you are able to set boundaries against people against jobs, against life that allow you to be the kind of person you want to be. Above all else in this world, it's important that we remain happy, that we remain healthy, that what we do is for us, and taking these steps is to understand how we avoid burnouts. And it's very, very important in our journey. Because you deserve to give yourself a chance. If you're not happy, if you're not healthy, nothing else matters. Because, realistically, how can you enjoy work? How can you enjoy life if you yourself are not happy? Why does it matter that you reach this target at work? Or that you, you know, earn this amount of money for someone that isn't you? You're earning money for someone else. But in doing so, you're stretching your limits and you're hurting yourself in the process. This is something I've done many a time, and this is the whole point of this podcast, is that I've done this before, and these are the processes that I've gone back over and realised, okay, I need to prioritise myself. I need to give myself the time, the space, the peace. Give yourself that chance to do that. And keep changing those processes as you go along. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you understood where I was coming from, and now feel energized to apply it to your own life you have the capability so go ahead and use it but for now i will sign off and speak to you next time this has been positively poetic see you later <laughs>